Spark innovation across your federal agency with IT hardware, software, and services from Connection Public Sector Solutions. Your technology procurement challenges will meet their match as Connection's dedicated account managers offer exceptional customer service. And our extensive list of supported federal contracts means you'll always get a price that works for your budget. Learn more about innovation for your agency with Connection Public Sector Solutions at connection.com slash fedcontracts. Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Billboard.com Pop Shop Podcast. My name is Keith Caulfield, and I am the co-director of charts at Billboard. And joining me, as always, is Billboard's deputy editor of digital, Katie Atkinson. Happy Billboard Music Award nominations day, Katie. Woohoo! BBMA week! BBMA! Actually, BBMA, like, month starts right now. Yeah, the, the, the official BBMA uh, prelude. <laughs> begins today. Um, well, we'll be talking all about the Billboard Music Award nominations in just a moment, because as always, the Billboard Pop Shop Podcast is your one-stop shop for all things pop and BBMAs on Billboard's weekly charts. In addition, you can always count on a lively discussion about the latest pop news, fun chart stats and stories, new music, and guest interviews with music stars and folks from the world of pop. Today on the show, we've got news about the nominations for the 2018 Billboard Music Awards. Coachella, or rather Baychella, uh, Drake, J. Cole, and Cardi B. Plus, we have an interview with Sabrina Carpenter and Jonas Blue. The pop star teamed up with the dance music producer for the song Alien, and we talk all about how the catchy new track came to be. But first, before we get started, if you enjoy the podcast, subscribe to us on iTunes or your favorite podcast provider. And if you want to explore more podcasts from Billboard, visit billboard.com slash podcasts. Let's just jump right into the biggest headlines over on billboard.com. Hmm. Uh, and obviously, it's the Billboard Music Awards nominations. We, we may have teased that just a few <laughs> times already. Uh, so the nominees for the 2018 Billboard Music Awards have been revealed, and Kendrick Lamar, Ed Sheeran, and Bruno Mars take the lead with 15 BBMA nominations apiece. Now, that won't be terribly surprising to people who have been listening to Pop Shop for the past year, because... You've heard those names a few times. The BBMAs are all based on performance on our charts each week. Indeed. Yeah. And uh, so all three of those uh, gentlemen are up for top artists. Competing against Drake, who has nine nominations, and Taylor Swift with five nominations for that top prize. It is also a good day for Post Malone, who's up for 12 BBMAs, and Imagine Dragons, who snagged 10 nods. Justin Bieber and Cardi B are tied with eight nominations. And speaking of Justin Bieber, the boys behind Despacito, Luis Fonsi, and Daddy Yankee have seven apiece. Hmm. Cardi's up for top new artist. No surprise there. Facing off against 21 Savage, Camila Cabello, Khalid, and Kodak Black. Mm-hmm. So the 2018 Billboard Music Awards will be on NBC for the first time, actually, this year. Broadcasting live from the MGM Grand Garden Arena in Las Vegas on Sunday, May 20th at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific. And, you know, Keith and I are typically in Vegas for these sort of things. And uh, we love the BBMAs. and We love BBMA Month. Yeah. And the madness starts now. Who doesn't love an award show that uh, comes from the company you work for? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, re- I mean, if they do, who's going to say that they don't like it? I mean, just I mean, <laughs> no, but it's fun, isn't it? Just isn't it just sort of weird to think that that we work at a place that has its own televised like award show, like where Michael Jackson once was? Yeah, yeah. I mean, yes. Now, granted, Michael Jackson, I don't think actually showed up that year. 
when he... He won some sort of special achievement award mm. in the 90s, and I think we had him via satellite from Neverland Ranch. That counts. And I think Chris Tucker presented it to him. That's that's so 90s. That Yeah. <laughs> It's so very 90s. I think that's what happened. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, I mean, we've had the show since uh, 1990. And as, as Katie just said, it's, this is this year's the first time that it's going to be on NBC. Um, for the past 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, for the last 17, 17, seven years, from 2011 to 2017, it was on ABC. Mm-hmm. And then before that, it was on Fox. So we're on sharing the love. Yeah, new network, <laughs> um, new network, and we're back to the old venue. Uh, we're back to the MGM Grand in Vegas because we've been at the T-Mobile Arena for the past couple years. And if you watch the ACM Awards on Sunday night, they were also at the Garden Arena, and yeah. they had quite a few exterior shots, letting you know that. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's always a. I always feel like when you watch stuff from the MGM, there is always a lot of synergy happening, like sure. with the Strip and MGM, and, they, and they're also like, hey, don't forget about us, just because T-Mobile's. <laughs> <laughs> there is, I think, there is some of that. That's what happens when you have some uh, arena competition that is literally across across the street. The street. Um, so yeah, Katie and I will probably be there at the BBMAs. We'll probably be on the carpet, maybe. Yeah, we don't know. Talking to your favorite uh, pop shop guests, um, and and really, the nominations uh, should not be terribly surprising to anyone that's been paying attention to uh, the charts each week because the nominations are derived from performance on the weekly billboard charts. Yes. So, uh, you know, when you see like, oh, the top hot 100 song of the year and Despacito is nominated, it's like, well, you don't say. <laughs> Golly. So you're on number one for 16 weeks and you get nominated for this? <laughs> I wonder who's going to win. Um, I, You know, certainly, obviously, in some categories, the the potential winner is kind of obvious in mm. some of them because it's literally based on chart performance. But then, as I think we've talked about before, um, it's a different uh, start and end time. Yeah, it's not January to December. Yeah, so it's not like it's just the year-end charts Mm-mm. in an awards show. So there could be some twists and turns. You never know. Exactly. And that's why it's always interesting to tune in because just because you think someone is going to win doesn't necessarily mean they will. <laughs> so there was some other big news uh, in pop culture this week. And that was uh, Baychella. You don't say. <laughs> so after postponing 20, her 2017 headlining Coachella slot due to her pregnancy with twins, Beyonce made a historic return to the main stage to close out the second night of the festival this past weekend. And yes, she was the first black woman to ever to headline. headline Coachella, which yeah. she pointed out in the show. I just, I, I wasn't sure if you're going to say that. I so have I not said that. Didn't mean to trample on you. No, absolutely not. Um, yeah, that's absolutely worth mentioning. Um, throughout the relentless two-hour set, the pop icon took the Coachella crowd to a high school pep rally thanks to a tiered set of bleachers on the stage filled with a brass band and dozens of dancers backing up Queen Bay. To top it all off, the performance featured guest appearances from a reunited Destiny's Child, as well as cameos from her husband, Jay-Z, and sister, Solange. So I would say it was maybe not quite a high school pep rally, but more of a historical black college marching band oh, vibe. Oh, yeah. Because I think she actually brought in a... I mean, I, I'm not sure where the marching band and the dancers But yes, came they were from. brought... Yeah, she had step dancers, dancers in... And, and uh, it, was, it was all kind of... It was all this sort of like if you were not if you weren't paying attention to the levels that she was giving you, you just were just like sort of amazed by the bleacher the, levels. Yeah, well, yes, I'm just joking. But the deeper levels of a performance, neither neither one of us were actually physically there. Um, uh, one thing I would like to say, but I did see is, a lot of it on YouTube. Oh yeah, same. Um, but I also have not seen the entire set. But one thing neither. I did want to say is like there's kind of this perception about like oh, do you bring out special guests? 
like and and then the headline is like Beyonce is with Destiny's Child and Jay Z and Solange, or do you not bring anybody out and be like I can stand on my own, or is there like like you know I feel like artists wrestle with that when it comes to Super Bowl halftime, when it comes to Coachella, you know headlining sets, whatever. It's like do you go the like no features route and like just completely stand up there on your own, which obviously Beyonce could do. Right. Or is it like, let me just share the wealth with all my insanely talented family and my, you know, basic, basically her, her sister, Kelly Rowland, who she grew up with and was in a band with forever. And like, I've, I've come to this point with all of these people. So like, let's all share it together. You yeah. know what I mean? I feel like there's lots of different thought processes on that front. And I feel like she killed it. So yeah. Um, I like the way she went. Yeah. I wonder what she'll do because, you know, Coachella is a two weekend event and it has the same lineup and the same um, set times. Like it's all in the same order. 11.05 Saturday. So I wonder, is it going to be the exact same thing? Because this, it's what is super interesting about this. One of the many super interesting things about the Beyonce performance is that this is kind of like a two time only thing. Yeah. Like, because she's going on tour this summer with Jay-Z. I don't expect that she is going to bring out, like, the marching band and the step girls and, you know, Kelly and Michelle. That'd be a lot of tour buses. That's all, yeah, I mean, <laughs> and, you know, the risers and the bleachers. Like, it's it's going to be something different this yeah. summer with Jay-Z. And, you know, certainly some of the songs will be there and maybe some of the dance moves and some of the choreography. Obviously, the single ladies dance and the formation, whatever. But... It's not going to be the same thing. So you are going to see it two times only or probably one time only. And that's it. And to your point, we were talking about this earlier. YouTube isn't live streaming this weekend. Nope. So if you're like, oh, I missed last weekend, but I'll check it out this weekend. If does YouTube, <laughs> You better get tickets. YouTube had it on their YouTube Red service. Do they archive uh, performances? Uh, I don't think so because people oh. were talking about like they replayed it like at least once. Uh-huh. Like um, after the, the live stream wrapped uh, late on Saturday night, they started the replay from the beginning of the day over. <laughs> so on Twitter, people were like, everybody Post Malone's on right now. Beyonce was on after Post Malone. So like if you want to see this again, tune in like on Sunday morning. Got it. So yeah. Well... Um, yeah, so, um, well, aside from Beyonce, another performer at Coachella, Cardi B, uh, celebrates some big news on the charts as her debut studio album, Invasion of Privacy, bows at number one on the Billboard 200 Albums chart. Now, the set earned 255,000 equivalent album units in the week ending April 12th, according to Nielsen Music, making it the second biggest debut of 2018, and actually just the second largest week of 2018, trailing only the debut of Justin Timberlake's Man of the Woods, Man of, Man of the Woods, uh, which started with 293,000 units. Uh, further, of Cardi B's opening week, 135,000 units were in streaming equivalent album units, which, if we take each one of those units and multiply it by 1,500, we get 202.6 million on-demand <laughs> audio streams for the tracks on the album in its debut week. Wow. Um, and yes, we know hip-hop albums do really well with streams. That's a given. But this also gives Invasion of Privacy the biggest streaming week ever for an album by a woman— beating Beyonce's Lemonade, which started with 77,000 streaming equivalent album units, which is equal to 115.2 million on-demand streams. Damn. Didn't put didn't put the script, but you can also read it online. It's also the, the biggest streaming week for a debut studio album. And I believe I said it was the seventh largest streaming week ever for mm. an album. So it's not just big for ladies, not just big for debut album, but it's just big. It's just big. And 
uh, also not in the script, but you can read it online. The album sold pretty well. It sold over 100,000 copies, yeah. all in downloads. Um, which, again, is weird for a youthful hip-hop artist because a lot of younger hip-hop artists, as we've seen in the past year, um, just don't sell a lot. It's all about streams. But Cardi, I think because she has a lot of sort of crossover appeal and thanks to the number one hit, Bodak Yellow. Co-hosting The Tonight Show. Yeah, so, like, our SNL. parents are watching her. Yeah, so she's she's reaching people that yeah. are actually still buying music, yep, too. Yep. So that's I think that's she's getting off to a really sort of great start um, probably establishing herself with a nice um, demographic range. Yeah. People who are buying albums and people that are streaming stuff. And that uh, that's a really great positive thing. Also, bonus fun fact, as we mentioned last week, Cardi B is just the fifth female rapper to ever be number one on the Billboard 200 albums chart following Nicki Minaj, Eve, Foxy Brown, and Lauren Hill. Now, for comparison's sake, in just the last 12 months, seven different male solo rappers have led the list. Wow. So, um, it's tough out there for a lady rapper. <laughs> um, in other big chart news, Drake replaces himself at number one on the Billboard Hot 100 chart with Nice For What. He bumps his own God's Plan from the top slot after 11 weeks at number one. Uh, and he's one of the few artists to actually replace themselves at number one. And he is the only artist to debut replace himself at number one with a song that debuts at number one and the song he replaces himself with also debuted at number one because God's Plan debuted at number one as well. (laughs) Um, Nice was both the top selling song of the week and the most streamed song of the week. Uh, It sold 88,000 downloads and it earned 60.2 million streams. And unlike some, you know, songs that start off really well in streams and sales, this actually started pretty good at radio, too. It debuts at number 34 on the Radio Songs chart with 31 million audience impressions across all formats of radio. And there's more Drake to come. More Drake. On the heels of that Billboard Hot 100 chart achievement, uh, Drake announced Monday that his next project, called Scorpion, is coming in June. It's gonna sting us in June. Ah! Mm. He revealed the name and drop date with a simple photo that has the rapper turning his back to the camera in order to show the back of his black satin jacket, which is emblazoned with Scorpion's release info. Just basically says June 2018. We don't have a specific date just yet. We're assuming Scorpion is an album. Yes, we're definitely assuming album. I'm saying project because with Drake, you know, he likes to call things playlists, mixtapes. You never know. It could be something just on cassette only for all we know. Who knows? (laughs) Uh, You know, J. Cole had some new uh, music news as well on Monday. The rapper surprised New York City fans with a free show where he performed his upcoming record in its entirety for the lucky few who were inside Gramercy Theater. Um, after the concert, he revealed on Twitter the album's title and release date, K.O.D., will be out this Friday. <laughs> uh, according to audience members, J. Cole performed all 12 songs from K.O.D. and revealed that the album has three different subtitles. I was going to ask you. Kids on Drugs. Okay. With Z's. Sure. King Overdose. With an S. And Kill Our Demons. Back a, to the Z. With a Z at the end of Demons. Um, to be fair, this is all, you know, from crowd members on Twitter. So, like, these spellings, etc., you know, need to be checked. Although, um, these specific subtitle, this information is from uh, Rap Radar, specifically, which is owned by Eminem and his manager. So, it's, you know, at least Probably. somewhat reliable. <laughs> we would hope. And, uh, to be fair, J. Cole's last album, which came out in 2016, was called For Your Eyes Only, with a Z at the end of eyes, so seems likely as well. Um, he also told the crowd that he recorded the whole thing in two weeks. Wow. <laughs> so I feel like the 
the best and the worst things are done quickly. So we'll see how that goes for Jake Cole. Well, I mean, uh, I'm, I, I, I anticipate big things from uh, this album. Um, he always does pretty well on the charts. He does. At least. Yeah. Well. Is it time for our guest interview? We, it, it can be. Okay, well, why not? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> uh, this week we spoke with Sabrina Carpenter and Jonas Blue. Both of these artists have been doing big things on their own, with Sabrina, of course, getting her start on Disney Channel's Girl Meets World and then forging her pop music path. Well, Jonas has broken through on the charts with a new version of Tracy Chapman's Fast Car and Perfect Strangers with J.P. Cooper. Now we find out how the two came together for the new song Alien, what that extraterrestrial title really means, and how an emoji helped inspire the whole thing. Hmm. <laughs> so these two were so much fun to talk to, and let's just dive right into this conversation with Sabrina Carpenter and Jonas Blue. Hello to Sabrina Carpenter and Jonas Blue, and Hello. welcome to the Billboard Pop Shop Podcast. Oh, Thanks nice. for having Thanks us. Thanks for having us, yeah. Uh, we're here for a very exciting occasion. Uh, you have recently released your song, Alien. Yeah. Uh, talk to us about how this all came together. You go first, Sabrina. Oh, gosh. Yes, well, I mean, now we're <laughs> taking turns on who gets to tell the story. I mean, basically, <laughs> I, I'm i just a huge fangirl of Jonas Blue, and I oh. tweeted... Um, I tweeted out over a year ago that I was obsessed with one of his songs, which is how I found him. I found him by listening um, to By Your Side. And obviously he's had so many incredible songs, you know, before that and after that. But he was so nice and he responded and he DM'd me and he was like, I'm, I'm in L.A. if you want to get together and work together. And I was like, sure, yeah. And we worked together for the first time in L.A., but actually um, we wrote Alien in London when I was back there on tour. And, um, you know, he liked me, I guess, the first time around. So... <laughs> We got a second run at it, and uh, and it was really nice because Alien felt very special. And Alien felt like I think both for both of us um, a little bit of a departure, but also a bit of um, an evolution from the things that we had done previously. So yeah, sure. Like literally, the song like came about because you were down in the DMs, basically. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, not in that. If way. you want to summarize it, <laughs> yeah. um, but I mean, it's just it's just it's it's fun to hear these stories because we were talking to someone recently about how it was just like. An art, an artist tweeted this other artist saying, "Oh, I really like your song." I'm yeah. like, and it was a totally easy unsolic- as that. It was, Listen, that, it was like, just that easy for me. My favorite thing is when it happens organically, and when it happens just because two people are genuinely like genuinely fans of each other, um, yeah. or just genuinely like interested to see how they work together. Um, and it's so much. It's it's such a better story to tell than like, well, my label representatives my contacted guy, his and. My, uh, yeah. And he recorded his vocals from Michigan, and here we are, you <laughs> and know? we just met earlier today. <laughs> <laughs> but the, but the, I think the crazy thing was, is um, it's probably really bad of me, but I didn't know who Sabrina was. Oh, no. But it, now he I, does. Yeah, Listen. So she messaged me, <laughs> and all I was interested in was, how does your voice sound? Hmm. And do I feel this could match what I do? You know, because I've got a sound, and, you know, it's no good me having, say, a heavy metal artist... Sing, sing one of my songs, but no, I, right. I, just, I, just, I wish uh, you were heavy metal. Yeah. I mean, sometimes I get in phases. <laughs> but um. I, I just heard Sabrina's voice, and I was just like, "Wow, this girl's incredible!" And I was like, "Why does she have such a big following? Like, who is she? <laughs> Why do people and care?" Then, and, then I, and then I kind of looked up, and I was like, "Okay, oh. that's pretty cool." But you have this incredible voice, and we should definitely do something. And yeah, we've written two songs now, and 
They were both kind of also um, inspired by emojis. <laughs> the first time we met, yeah. we wrote together. <laughs> he realized because he always uses the blue heart emoji, and I always use the black heart because it makes me look cooler and edgier. Um, and so we we first like we, when we first wrote together, it was based around like we wrote a story, but it was kind of inspired by like an emoji. And then the second time we wrote together, um, we didn't start with the idea of alien, but we started with the idea of this this feeling of kind of feeling alienated within your own emotions and not really knowing how to describe that Mm -hmm. um and then we decided that we should just call that feeling alien because that was the best way to describe it and it felt fresh yeah and now you have the perfect emoji doing and now we have the perfect emoji goodness imagine though like if we didn't have an emoji to to help this song i really want a blue emoji you should get you should get a black a black a black alien you should get a blue alien can you make the aliens different colors on twitter you can do whatever your heart desires um, I want to I want to add. Um, you shouldn't feel embarrassed about not knowing who Sabrina was or being very familiar with her because we actually interviewed Zed a few weeks ago about the middle, and we were like, "Well, how did Marin Morris get on the track?" He's like, "We had like fourteen different vocalists before that we got to Marin, and my manager said, "Have you heard of Marin Morris? You should hear her voice." He's like, uh, "I didn't know who she was." I'm like, "Really?" He's like, "No, I but I loved her voice and I discovered her and she yeah. was perfect for the song." So like you shouldn't feel bad like we're all discovering music together and just because like you don't know that that's no okay. I, I just mean like yeah i mean i no just, one anyone listening don't like hate on him <laughs> because he didn't know that's, sabrina. that's the thing it's like you know you tell sabrina fans johnny didn't know who you were like are you serious they will eat you they will eat yeah. me <laughs> please but be I, nice to him but i really didn't listening. know and it was it was just purely based on this girl sounds amazing. That's and I really want to work with I her. also, by the way, I think that for me, knowing that I sort of, you know, to a lot of different people probably judge judge me on my past or my history or where I came from or, you know, the different projects that I started on. And it's actually almost nicer to find people that really, really find you with a fresh slate yeah. um, and just, like, again, listen to me because of my voice and not because I, I did, yeah, maybe you that know, would, other things. You know, that I think would, that's really cool. That would kind of taint the the type of music that we would have made maybe yeah maybe. i don't know but and now his but, audience will yeah. find well, you I will that way definitely too. say like for a while when i when i first started writing and i was younger and i was obviously working on a show at that point people had an idea and people went in you know to work with me with this this mm. idea in their head of what i should be and what what kind of songs and music mm. i should sing or just what they thought that i was you know gonna want to sing um and it was never what i wanted to sing so <laughs> i think it really it really is interesting and um it should always just come from who you are as a person as an artist and and your voice of course i mean the whole thing was just completely organic and that's why i personally think and i love organic foods i grew i was raised with you know health in the family we we love eating healthy okay now you build upon healthy where can you take that i mean sponsored by whole foods yeah i mean i enjoy shopping at whole foods do you enjoy shopping at whole foods i like sprouts too yeah i mean i like i like testing out outfits at whole foods i like honestly yeah because i feel like if i wear a good outfit to whole foods and it gets like a good reaction then i can wear it in the real world does the reaction depend on like what aisle you're in if it's like the people in the produce section Listen, the, the most of the time at checkout, they'll give me a couple comments, and that's, I, that's how I know. Right. So I like the granola section. The granola <laughs> section. Why? I like granola. Okay, well, then that makes sense. This is the important stuff you hear only on Billboard. Only on Billboard's <laughs> podcast. So, let's talk about the lyrics so of let's the song. Go back. Yeah, let's go right. back. You mentioned the emoji being, like, you know, a fun starting point for Alien, um, you know, and the, the lyrics seem to be kind of like how it's hard to figure out what someone else is thinking yeah. and feeling. Um, and for yourself. How did that yeah. idea yeah. kind of come about? I think, um, oh wait, do you want to take this one? I started the last one. Yeah, I mean, we <laughs> went, <laughs> so when we were in the studio, um, we wrote it with another another amazing songwriter called Jinjin, and it was the three of us in the room, and 
we just wanted to write a song that we could all relate to mm-hmm. you know and we've all been in those situations but the idea you know a lot of songs have been made and a lot of songs tell the same situation but i wanted to come at it from a fresh perspective and that's why people are like so we heard this new uh, we saw this title alien and it's not and about aliens and it's, and not, it's about not about alien, space and <laughs> yeah. i'm like well and it's, you're right it's about coming at a feeling from a, a fresh perspective and and taking it to somewhere new and and yeah really what happened was is we got the melodies i started the piano first i went out got ice cream came back serena and jinjin had a little kind of pep talk and they kind of put some ideas down then i came back and i was like i've definitely gone through this as well so this is how we should finish it yeah and i think you know especially when you're working with you know three different people you know three different types of people different ages it's like it's it's so much nicer to center on something that is universally relatable mm-hmm. and i think at that time i had had my own you know reasons as to why the song connected to me i'm sure you know yeah. he and jinjin as well so i think you know it was it was really about coming at it like i said me at this age people are always like i don't know if aliens are real or not are they real or are they and that's how i feel about my feelings so mm-hmm. much of the time i don't know if they're real or not i don't know if they're valid and i don't know if like i make sense to a lot of people when i you know describe my emotions and what i'm feeling and so we tend to often keep a lot of things inside and so i think like the song is is almost this like inner dialogue in a sense of mm-hmm. of what you wish you could say to this person of of if this person would just you know talk to you and communicate with you maybe you would understand each other better and um yeah so i think it there's definitely an emotional attachment to the song as well did the like did the production come first like the music or did the lyrics come first or was it all kind of like something that all kind of happened at the same time the way it always starts with me making my music is i will never ever start with the production first it's always me at the piano fresh on the day Mm. i never come with anything prepared it's not like I've got this hot beat. Can we throw some mm-hmm. lyrics on it? I've like, never ever yeah. worked like that. Yeah. It's with all my songs. It's always been melody first, and that's why if you listen to my songs at the very start, they'll always start with that key melody. You know, whether it's Mama, dun, 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 dun. that's just purely me at the piano. So I'm kind of reflecting mm. that. You're in right. The songs. It's the same as the intro, and that's and well. that's what we did. You know, with Alien, you know, the the chords and the kind of melody that I do there at the start. That was the first thing that we came up with, and we were like, right how are we feeling and how does that you know sound make us feel and we kind of went from there um, but the one the kind of key thing that I always try to get across in my productions is I try to have this kind of happy balance of a kind of really deep emotional song but yet on this kind of really happy dance pop beat those tricky songs so you're mindlessly dancing you don't yeah. realize you don't what realize what's being said like until heavy. you really like, take a close when I I made, yeah when we did like when I did Fast Car it's a sad song. It's a Super sad. It's a sad it's song. A sad but yeah, I've kind it's of a sad bop. I've kind of put this euphoric dancing and everyone's dancing in the club and it's like that's you, you kind of want people to cry but dance mm. at the same time and that's you know what I've always kind of had that works for me. Yeah. Mm. And so you kind of mentioned um that you had met up in LA when you first uh tweeted and and connected. Yeah. What was that first meeting like after, you know, you knew you liked each other's music, now like let's get to work. What was that like? Well, it was just interesting because, like he said, he had no idea who I was, but like had heard my songs, and at that point, like I didn't know him as a person, but I had heard his songs. Well, we were really kind of just meeting on this fresh idea that we, you know, we we were both passionate about music yeah. and we're excited about making something. So I think you know, in that first time that we were meeting together, it was just it's just really on how you do work with people. And then I think that he saw that I was you know also a writer, and you know I think us working together and just kind of feeling that out helped us the second time around because we came into it and we were like. 
we're really excited to make yeah. something new and fresh that we're both really excited about. Yeah. And that's that's the thing with, with I said excited like three times. <laughs> yeah, you so. did. No, I was so excited. We're yeah. excited that you're here. Yeah, thanks. So thanks. It's cool. cool. But that's that's the thing, is, 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 especially with my music, is I'm always trying to find new talent and develop them from my kind of sound, um, and. And I'm trying to develop Jonas. I'm, develop I'm, I'm out here but just... the thing was, is that I didn't know she was a writer and I'm not the kind of person who, you know, producer, artist. I wouldn't be in the studio and be like, no, you can't write. You know, I'm totally open to hearing her ideas and her having as much input as possible, you know? Yeah. And that, that's, you know, it's just creating music together. I think it also just feels more honest too. Yeah. And I think, I think fans, whoever, if they're fans of Jonas, fans of mine, or just fans of music in general that come across the song, you you can hear when it's when it's honest and when it relates, you know, and, and it's not like, like I said, like it came from some place that we'd all been before. So it wasn't as if it was something that we had to like force ourselves to feel and yeah. get excited about. Um, you guys performed the song for the first time recently, mm-hmm. yeah. and you're about to do some TV performances. Mm. Um, what's it been like, you know, work like doing it live properly, like for the first time? And it has is that kind of informing how the TV TV performances are going to go? Like, are you no, in the I don't yet? think so. <laughs> I don't think our performance because we we did one um, our first performance of the song in Philly the other night. Jonas had a show there because mm-hmm. um, he's he's been on tour, um, and Philly's my hometown, and I happen to be in town. Um, and so he let me hop on stage with no shoes on and just sing it for the first time. And it was the day that the song came out. And that was really wow. exciting to get that first initial reaction of like people in the club just having a good ass time. I'm allowed to say ass, sorry. Um, yeah, but it was like, you. it was fun. You, you know what I mean? But the, the, the crazy thing is, is that I've had this obviously on all, on all my other records when you've, you've just brought a song out for the first time and you're playing it to people and they've got no idea. And people will either just stand there and be like, I'm not mm. sure on this. Yeah. <laughs> And then six months later, if you know, right. God, it's going to hit. Um, mm-hmm. You get a completely different reaction. But it was amazing with this one. You know, we, I was playing a club in Philly, and people were just there to dance and have a good time. And it's like, it's quite, it's quite a moment when you bring a performer out, and it's quite a, it, it will tell you, you know, what the song's going to react like, and their reactions will, will tell you. Yeah. And um, it was cool because <laughs> literally it was a, reaction. It was a great reaction we, we had a look back at the video today that we that we did for it and just seeing people there clubbers you know, like love, myself yeah you loving know, alien yeah, and, you know, and, in, in the club yeah, yeah. in the club and yeah. it just reacting really well so for for me obviously on the dj side of things it tells me that on that side it's really going to work as well and that's great so there's there is those two sides there's the pop world and then there's the club for me so it's great to to see both are, are working well and you've had that in-person reaction now getting yeah. to do that yeah um but obviously you both have huge social followings what have you been hearing from your fans on twitter and on instagram um they've told me that their wigs are snatched, uh-huh. snatched. yeah wigs. a lot of wigs yeah a lot of <laughs> wigs, a lot of wigs. A lot of wig, wig itself is just now a term it's like a thing. Just wig. A solo i've heard um like they're very shook and that's like the term that i get a lot and then what else i think what I'm what is dead. That's, literally, that's literally dead literally, literally dead, dying shook, literally kill mom, me like dad. A, mom dad yeah parents <laughs> oh, i think right. yeah so you know what though i think the cool thing about it was they had been following since the second he said that he was in the studio with me or did anything with me they have like they have tweeted me and they've tweeted him just annoying them just, like when's the collab when's yeah, it coming yeah but over what over a year over a year it's and so like when post. they knew they were finally getting it they were just like I'm no longer starving like I'm I'm not <laughs> thirsty fed. anymore I've been starved for so long and finally I'm fed like it was great though and I think you know for me because I, I hadn't I hadn't released um I hadn't released anything for for 
a couple months especially like my last song I came out in July and that was you know my last solo thing so I think for them they were just really really excited to get something especially that we worked on together something that we were excited about um and something new well, and you that kind of actually goes into the perfect question because your your last album was Evolution, which was back in 2016. Yeah, and that's the last time I talked to you actually. Mm-hmm. Um, and does Alien kind of give fans a taste of the direction maybe a new project might go in? Interesting. Um, I think Alien is its own thing. Yeah, I do, and I and I think that that was always how it was intended to be. I think because you know Jonas and I separately are you know very different artists and I think together it should be something different from what we do solo and I think you know that was kind of the the goal at least for me um and I always want it to kind of feel like I, I we were just talking about this in the car like I think everything we we do and we should always be growing and kind of you know trying new things and it should always be an evolution not to mm. promote my album yeah. um, but it should it should always be it should always feel like something new and I'm always one to keep people on their toes so Okay, stay on your toes. Stay oh. thirsty. Yes, yeah, stay thirsty. Um, <laughs> stay thirsty. And, and sort of in the same vein, you know, Jonas, you've had, you know, number one hits on our Dance Club Songs chart. Um, you've had a lot of sort of sort of breakthrough mainstream yeah. success in the past few years in America. Um, but, you know, have you been feeling like the U.S. audience has been sort of growing as you play shows here? Have you seen the crowd sort of change and morph and evolve a little bit? Or there's an evolution to your crowd <laughs> in America now in the past few years as you've seen sort of the hits kind of pile up? Oh, definitely. I mean, it's um, it's definitely been a process for me here. It's been a long process. Um I, I came on the scene with Fast Car and that was a, uh, quite a while back and you know for America it's just doing the kind of radio shows and seeing people sing those songs back to you it's like wow it is actually happening here and that for me is amazing but it is definitely a process you have to work hard you have to you know go around and don't think you know I've I've been very lucky that I have had success in many other territories but don't for one thing think you've made it there's a lot of work to do and you know to keep creating and I'm just very glad that we could hook up and it would have been very easy for me to kind of just put Sabrina on one of my other songs. You know, I could have just made another Bioside or, or Fast Car or something like that. And it would have just been easy. But the idea is to keep evolving and, you know, keep changing the sound. And you can definitely hear both of us in the record, but it definitely feels like its own thing for sure. Yeah. Can I brag for a second? Like why he's so great is because like you also you also work with you know a lot of people that are doing really well and have like a lot of hits and incredible things under their belt and they are just so content with with staying still and kind of doing the same thing repeating success and he's like he was just so open to breaking the boundaries and breaking the barriers in a lot of different ways and um and is also just so actually musically talented like when i came in like i never know sometimes i go in people don't know how to play instruments i'm not joking so i mean that was like also the first thing is when he went on piano and like what he played initially was just so beautiful it was like okay we're gonna work together and it's gonna be great so i think that's something i just love about him is just his absolute passion for what he does and getting better that seems like a perfect note to end on thank you guys so much for coming in and good luck with the song thank you for having us thank you thanks Thanks so much to Sabrina Carpenter and Jonas Blue for coming into the office to talk with us. We were truly shook. Dead. Shook for by this conversation. Wig snatched. Deceased. <laughs> um, they were they were super fun. I, yeah, I'm like, we did actually talk about salient things, didn't we? Yeah. Like actual, or was it just all like... Were we just talking in internet language the whole time? <laughs> we were just riffing in like, you know, lingo. Speaking Twitter. Uh, and now... 
it is time for the chart stat of the week. This week in 1979, disco was in full effect on the Hot 100 chart as Amy Stewart's barnstorming dance hit Knock on Wood topped the chart. The song jumped from number three to number one on the list dated April 21st, 1979, spending just one week atop the list. But of course, it is eternal. (laughs) Knock on Wood, which was actually a cover of Eddie Floyd's number one R&B hit from 1966, was also a top 10 hit for Amy on the R&B chart and on the Dance Club Songs chart. Surprisingly, Stewart herself disliked disco music. Um, I was actually reading Fred Bronson's Billboard book of number one hits, which is all about every number one hit on the Hot 100. And in it, he quotes Stewart telling the magazine Record Mirror in 1985, quote, I've never bought a disco record in my life, and I don't want to buy one, end quote. <laughs> I'm like, all right, girl. I'll just make one. <laughs> I was like, I'll just make one and have a huge hit with it. Right. Um, well, Stewart's fame on the charts actually was fleeting. Uh, Knock was her only top 40 Hot 100 hit, though she charted two more singles in 1979 and 1980, though neither went higher than number 63. Disco, by the way, was enormous in 1979, as we mentioned at the top of this. In that year alone, here are some of the dance classics that topped the Hot 100. Sheik's La Freak, Gloria Gaynor's I Will Survive, Blondie's Heart of Glass, Donna Summer's Hot Stuff and Bad Girls, Michael Jackson's Don't Stop Till You Get Enough, and Anita Ward's Ring My Bell. That's just a few. Just a few. Just a few. So there you have it. This week (laughs) in 1979, when disco was king... Amy Stewart topped the Hot 100 with Knock on Wood. <laughs> like when you listen to that song, it has they it did there's it's it's so cool like when you listen to it with like headphones and it's like they like there's something where it just sort of surrounds you with like the knock. Like, yeah. you know, like, and you're like, oh, this is so cool. Um, or it could be just me, and I love this. No, music. I'm glad disco's back, is what I was going to say. I feel like dance is having a moment all over again. Maybe uh, not exactly the same, but still fun. It's, yes, there was a time when disco was sort of poo pooed, but then disco just turned into something else. And then uh, people are a little afraid to call things disco. So Daft just, Punk brought it back. So yeah, exactly. <laughs> and they brought back, uh, you know, Nile Rodgers, who, of course, is... Giorgio Moroder. You know, with Chic. Yeah. And so everything's full circle. I love it. Giorgio Moroder, who was, of course, involved with Donna Summer's Hot yep. Stuff and Bad Girls. Nile Rodgers of Chic with uh, Le Freak. Everything old is full new again. Full circle. Um, any parting words? Or those are parting words. <laughs> Disco's back. <laughs> uh, what song should we go out on? What well, disco classic should gonna, we do? Well, I was going to say, since we were just talking about, I love that, Dad punk albums so much maybe lose yourself to dance that's an interesting i love that song all right see you guys next time bye Bye.